Welcome into this archived episode of the original SA Talk podcast. It's your favorite local podcast host and retirement advisor, Zach Espericueta. With the changes to the original podcast and rebrand in May of 2021, the current events and interview follow-up segments were taken out of these archived episodes for easier accessibility to the interview itself. Most new listeners just want to hear the interview anyway. Keep that in mind if you hear any references made to other segments or when you hear some of the old podcast music. I really hope you enjoy this interview. Be sure to give the podcast a rate and review on Apple Podcasts, and a follow on social media at SAPod Network. Enjoy the episode. Welcome back to the podcast. We have some special guests joining us this week, and you heard that right. It's plural, so we're doing things a little differently this week. We're actually going to have two guests, and we have two teachers from different school districts around the area, the San Antonio area. So guys, I have a lot of teachers as clients. I help them all the time. I'm in and out of different schools and school districts. And you know, both Amanda and I have parents who have ties to education. But listen, guys, it's not just us. Teachers mean so much to us as a community. And lately, they've been a part of a big discussion concerning the coronavirus in the upcoming school year. You see so much discussion in the news and on social media, but we want to get their perspective and give our listeners an inside look at what the teachers actually think. But of course, to protect them, we're not going to release any full names, schools or school districts. We're going to refer to them by a nickname or maybe just a first name. So without further ado, we're going to bring on our first guest teacher, refer to him as Coach. So Coach, how are you doing today? I'm doing well yourself. Good, good. So first and foremost, thank you for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Um, but just to kind of get into it, so the coronavirus snuck up on us, right, this last spring. It, I mean, we had heard reports of it being in China and other countries, of course, but it snuck up on us. And as teachers, I mean, it, it came out of nowhere, right? I mean, it was right before spring break. Yeah, right before spring break. Um you know, I was a, I'm a coach, so we had a basketball tournament this Saturday going into spring break. Um, we won the tournament. You know, we're on this nice little high. Okay, after spring break, we'll get in the track season. And a few days after that tournament, I think it was a Tuesday, we got the notification like, hey, we're going to extend spring break by a week and then another week. And then eventually just got dragged out to the end of the school year. Yeah, I and mean, I know at first that some of the teachers I had talked to, I mean, they were thinking, oh, just an extra week of spring break. And all of a sudden – it was the whole rest of the year doing everything over, over, you know, what Google classroom and zoom and different ways of virtual learning. So what were some of the things as far as virtual learning and remote learning, what were some of the things you maybe anticipated or didn't anticipate? Um, I guess one of the things that we anticipated was that our, all of our kids, you know, we can't expect them to be hundred percent engaged when it's, when it's at home, especially when it's from pretty much one day to the next, we knew, so we, we did anticipate 100% engagement, and now uh, we kind of tried to plan for that as much as we could because, you know, it, um, have, having kids just be on there all the time, and it just doesn't work. You know, schedules are conflicting. Parents work. Sometimes they don't, the kids don't even know how to do it because some of the teachers don't utilize Google Classroom um, in their own classrooms, but now it's a, it's a must now. So going forward, we're kind of prepared for that. Were there times that, I mean, were there some students or maybe households that, that didn't have the hardware or maybe access to Wi-Fi? Yeah, so at first, um, we rolled out what we could, and we sent out surveys, flyers, mail, you know, um, mail envelopes about, hey, do you have technology? Do you have hardware? Do you have internet? And we took a bunch of data, we compiled our list, and we started getting out um, hardware to our kids that need them. Um, AT&T Spectrum and some of the other providers, they were putting free internet into these homes to help the kids do their work, you know, for the summer and for the spring at the time. And, you know, I've heard this w- with a couple school districts, and it's not exactly a, 
a great thing to talk about, but were there some students that just couldn't be accounted for? Like you just didn't, they kind of fell off the map? I mean, yeah, you have to, you know, reality is reality. There are a handful of kids that we didn't really hear from. Um, we'd call and we, we knew that, you know, as morbid as it may be, they're alive, which is good. But we just didn't get any of the participation online that we hoped for. Um, so we had to kind of do summer school, which I'm doing right now. I'm, I'm taking some of those kids that didn't do anything during the spring for, you know, ABC reason. But now we've had a few weeks to kind of figure that out. And now they're doing summer school catching up. So there's avenues that we're taking to try and fill those gaps that um, the kids may have missed. Right. Right. And I know you said you're busy doing summer school, but in general, has there been a lot of training for, for the teachers this summer just to get prepared for this upcoming school year? Yeah, um, Region 20 is our region um, that takes care of us for um, education, and they put on quite a bit of professional developments themselves. And teachers, we love taking those up because it counts for our, our PD hours. And since it's online, it works with our schedules as well. Um, our district is offered Google Classroom assistance as well. We have um, master teachers coming from other districts kind of showing us, you know, their, their ends and tricks and how they utilize Google Classroom to streamline it, you know, better for us and the kids. So regarding this upcoming school year, this fall, I know it's going to be different for different school districts. They've kind of given us guidelines, or at least Mayor Ron Nuremberg has given us some guidelines as far as, you know, in-classroom being available after Labor Day. But again, with different school districts, it's going to, I'm sure it's going to be different. But what what is the protocol or the process for maybe, I know you touched on this briefly earlier, but students who don't show up or maybe you can't get a hold of the parents. I mean, what what ends up happening or, you know? So right now that we've had the whole summer to prepare, we're offering um, different types of um, education. So the kids can come into school. We're trying to figure out, you know, how many days or that kind of thing. They can also do it online. And potentially there's even a packet version of what we would do. You know, every few weeks we'd give the kids a packet if they didn't have reliable internet or even the hardware. So we're, we're, we're pretty optimistic that we can hit every kid that needs to, you know, get out there and, and get their work done. Is it, you know, virtual? Is it in person? Is it packet? We don't know, but we're confident that every kid will be able to have an education. So we got to figure out these kinks to figure out, you know, which way it works best for each kid. Right. And in, in your opinion, I mean, for the, let's just say this, this school year coming up, just this one school year, do you think that throughout the whole school year, there's going to be a mix of in, you know, in-class learning and virtual learning? Oh yeah, there's definitely going to be a mix. You know, we have we have parents that work days and nights and the schedules are offsetting. And sometimes, you know, school is obviously for, to educate, but sometimes, you know, it's a haven for the parents. They get, they have time to work while the kids are at school, you know? So we'll, we'll have both. And we have parents that, you know, want to protect their kids and do what's best for their family. And if virtual, if virtual learning is best for them, then, you know, we're going to provide that as well. Right. And that, and that's what I've thought all along. But, but in addition to that, I've, and we've talked about this in previous podcasts, We've also thought about the idea of maybe that household has both parents who are working. They physically go to work and then what, you know, who's in charge of that student logging in and, and getting on the computer, you know, especially it's one thing if they're a high school, junior, senior, sophomore, and they're old enough to have that discipline, but someone who's maybe younger, you know, in elementary school, who's going to be in charge of them. And so that's one thing that we've, we've kind of been discussing. What's your, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, we've had discussions too about that, you know, some parents or some households, they have six kiddos in there, both parents work. And when the parents are gone, the oldest kid becomes a third parent essentially. And, you know, school is kind of on the back burner because they have four or five siblings to take care of, you know, for a couple of days at a time. Um, 
we understand that technology, you know, if there's six kids in a household, it's hard for them to get six laptops there. But we're, we're working with the families. We've been talking to them. We've been sending out surveys and beginning data. So what we've been kind of figuring out is that if there's, if there's a situation like that, you know, maybe a kid can come, can come into school one day, two days a week and kind of get what they need for, for maybe the whole week. And then we'll see them the following week to, to kind of, you know, offset some of those obstacles they may have at home. Right. And what, I mean, what kind of protocols are in place are as far as when, let's say a teacher, right? Let's say a teacher or even a student, either one test positive. We all know one of the biggest deals about the coronavirus is how easy it spreads. You know, we, we kind of see it. It's, it. it's funny. We see it in baseball right now, but you know, when it spreads to that many people, what ends up happening is a whole classroom have to go in quarantine. What kind of protocols are in place for stuff like that? Well, see, and that's kind of the, the crossroads that we're at right now, too. You know, we have protocols, we have recommendations, we have guidelines, um, but we don't have really anything, anything set in stone yet. I mean, it's, it's hard to kind of see, you know, to say this is a blanketed statement over, uh, you know, situation A, B, and C. Um, I know we're working with the task force at the district right now. We don't have anything completely set because, you know, every day, every day it's changing. You know, a custodian right. may get it, a student may get it, the attendance clerk may get it. So we're trying to figure out, you know, if – if some of a custodian gets it, do we need to shut down the whole school? Do we just do without custodians for a week? You know, we're, we're trying to figure those things out because uh, it's not a once, you know, not one answer kind of fits at all. So we're, that's still, still in the works because every day is changing. Definitely. Definitely. Um, you know, this is, this is kind of an interesting topic and uh, Amanda and I, uh, away from the podcast, we're having, actually having this discussion and it's on the topic of of discipline because when you're in the classroom, let's say a student's on their phone, they're texting or they're not paying attention or they're trying to be a class clown and they try to disrupt the class. Now in the classroom setting, of course, you might be able to send that person to the office or send them out of the classroom. But I mean, what happens when it's virtual learning? I mean, see, you're, you're making good points because these hurdles we've never been able to cross before. Um, what, what we can suggest is what we're trying to do is get parents involved as much as they can. And we understand some parents are going to be involved, you know, 24 hours a day and we have some parents that won't be involved at all but what we feel is we, if we can get the parent involved with the student and have a good line of communication you know that'll help us at the at home because you know that when the kids are at school we're essentially their parent to a certain extent you know trying to keep them educated trying to keep them in line behave right. you know social interaction all that kind of stuff but at home you know the parent has to take some roles that we do as well and if we can work with the parent to come to show that, hey, you know, you're you're on this virtual learning. There's a value to it. Yes, you're not at school because of certain reasons, but you need to take this serious. And you know, you don't want to go to summer school because you didn't go to virtual learning. You know, it's kind of okay. It kind of the kids kind of see it like, well, if I didn't do anything virtual learning, I have to go to summer school, which is also virtual learning. You know, they're not going to really like that. So if we can kind of have that conversation with parents to help us out, it'll it'll be good. Definitely. So, coach, let me ask you this. You know, what what should we expect for the for the upcoming sports season, right? I mean, some, especially some of these contact sports. Yeah, so I coach football, soccer, track, and basketball. And actually this morning we had a, a coaches meeting. Um, perfect world, September 8th, you know, everything looks good. We go into football right away. We, we do our, our four or five days without pads, um, you know, just conditioning shirt and shorts and helmet. And we get into it, you know, but we understand cases may pop up. You know, a student may get may get the virus, a staff member may get the virus. Obviously, the coaches, we're taking our precautions that we need to, but we're optimistic that when we do go back, we can jump into whatever season that we're in. So even if it gets extended past September, 
whenever we jump in back to schools, whatever sport we'll, we'll try to get into as soon as we get back. Well, before we hit our time limit here, let me, let me get you out of here on this question, this last question. What is some advice that you would give to maybe fellow colleagues, teachers, parents, students, just for this upcoming school year in general? I think patience is going to be the best advice for everybody involved. Patience for the bus drivers, patience for us teachers, coaches, admin clerk, parents, students, grandparents, counselors. You know, this is something that we're all in together. As, as cliche as it sounds, we're all in this together, but we are. There's no one school, there's no one district, there's no one state, country that has a leg up on, oh, we've been through COVID before. You know, other countries may be doing different things. That's that's fine, but we've all we're all kind of going this through together. So if we can be patient with each other, I see like a triangular um, patient. So parent, child, teacher, if us three can have patient with each other, then we're going to be successful. Um, that's all we need is communication and patience from each other to help, to help the kids. Cause our number one goal is to help kids. And if we can get that support at home and at school, they'll be fine. You said it right. You said it right. I mean, my, my mom, when, you know, she was a teacher for about 20 years and she would always say the education, it doesn't stop when the school day is done. You know, it, it continues on at home and you said it right. We're all in this together. That's, that's an excellent point that we've been trying to push on the podcast and you, I mean, you said it right, but coach, we appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. We wish you good luck, not only this upcoming school year, but in the sports season, of course, as well. And listeners, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we'll be joined by our second guest. We'll be right back. Welcome back to this special episode of SA Talk, where this week we're talking with local teachers and getting their insight on how COVID has affected the classroom and what to look out for this upcoming school year. Again, to protect our value teachers, we're not releasing any full names, schools, or school districts. So guys, let's get right back into it. We have our second guest of the show this week, Leslie. So Leslie, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Good, good. good. So this, this spring was kind of a surprise for a lot of teachers. Well, really all of us, but teachers especially. COVID-19 came out of nowhere. You know, it was around spring break. Some kids in school districts were out on spring break. But again, it was a surprise. So how, how was that for you? It was very interesting. <laughs> it was, you know, we were, we went to spring break and that was an issue. And then once we, um, we got news from like a, a week after spring break that we were going to be gone one week and we were like, okay, awesome. You know, all the teachers were kind of excited and and, but, <laughs> extra, extra week of vacation right <laughs> exactly you know it's kind of that whole thing where you have a, you know a week from your vacation and so after we found out that that week we were getting an extra week we were like okay cool and then at that point we were just figuring out everything kind of via social media and we were having you know newsletters come in with our district and it was just very abrupt and you know, then the stress kind of set in in the middle of that second week of, oh my God, I need to start getting all my lesson plans that I had for the rest of the year and convert them virtually. And how am I going to do that? And so that's where the stress kind of started to build and working weekends and nights. I was staying up till probably two in the morning every night and then waking up at four in the morning stressed. And my husband was like, you need to just go to sleep. And I'm like, but I can't and I can't and I can't. 
And so when did y'all figure out, um, you know, you, you figured out you had the week off. When did you figure out that y'all were going completely virtual? It was, it was the um, Friday at the end of that second week. So we wow. were all still expected to go back. So we, you know, we were scrambling and we were like, okay. And then that Friday is when we found out, okay, we're not pushing back the date to May 4th. And so, yeah, we so all, that extra week off that you could have been preparing, you couldn't because you didn't know yet. Exactly. So we wow. were kind of, I know we have a teacher kind of like a group message and we were all talking with each other, like, what should we do? What should we do? And so we were all already like speculating, like, I don't think we're going to go back for the rest of the year. And so that kind of just set everything into motion as far as our way of thinking of we're going to prepare to go the rest of the year this way just in case something happens and it turns out we ended up going not going back for the rest of the year and so what were some of the challenges of of teaching remotely especially when it wasn't something that you know the school districts and teachers were planning for like what were some things that you maybe anticipated and they did happen or maybe you didn't anticipate oh um one thing that i didn't anticipate for me was my film space my husband and I live in an apartment. So as far as the subject that I teach, I, I need a, a, a large open space to kind of perform and, and teach my kids the certain moves that we're doing. So I immediately that weekend when we found out May 4th that we would be going back May 4th, I went down and we have a little garage and I started hanging up tapestries and string lights and I went to Academy and bought some yoga mats and a floor for our garage because it's pretty dirty. And I just converted our whole garage into a studio space that I could record, that I could do live meetings if I need to, because I mean, I have a tiny apartment. I don't know. Right. And I'm, you're, you're an art teacher, right? I'm a dance teacher. A, okay. A dance teacher. So speaking of, I mean, of dance, I mean, how, I know you were kind of alluding to it, but how was that so you're creating this big space but as far as like the students or the kids i mean how are they able to to interact with you virtually that was that was kind of fun and kind of eye-opening because we see these students every single day we don't know where they're coming from as far as their home life or what space they have available to them you know i talked about i'm in an apartment but luckily i had a garage um some of the kids they would be in their kitchen and they'd say you know i need help on this one one move, I set up virtual office hours. And so they knew they could contact me any time of the day between normal school hours from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. And sometimes my little Google Meets would go ring, 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 ring. And I was like, oh, that's a kid. And so I'd, I'd be in the middle of like taking a bite out of a sandwich and say, okay, gotta go, gotta go. And so I'd, I'd run downstairs, I'd set up the iPad and then I'd click answer or I'd message the student and say, give me two minutes to get downstairs. And they'd say, okay, not a problem. And I'll call them back and, and they would be in their kitchen. They would be in their living room. They would be, they'd have their little brothers or cousins running around. And I'm like, I get it. I have my dogs. I have no space to dance in. And so it was, it was really interesting seeing where everybody is. So in a way, it was almost harder because you were pretty much on call 24-7 versus if you were in school, you have set times and hours and class, class periods. Yes, exactly. And I think that's where 
teachers, I know, I know some teachers set specific hours and they gave themselves like, okay, don't contact me between 12 and one because that's my lunch break, you know, and they had their set schedule. But I think a lot of us teachers will be the type of, we want to be there for our kids all the time, especially because the virtual learning is so different. So I think, I, I'm sure you could ask a bunch of teachers and they would say they were on call the entire time. I, I know some of the teachers in our group message, we were responding to emails at 11 o'clock at night because that's when, you know, their parents came home and so they were able to utilize their tablet or their computer and ask for help on how to log into all of this stuff. And then they would contact us at 11 o'clock at midnight. And I know me being high stress, it was like, I'm awake until two in the morning. So I'm responding to emails back and forth, back and forth. And just letting them know, hey, you know, we're here for you. And we're kind of going through the same thing that you guys are going through. Well, and speaking of student engagement, I mean, what, what kind of difficulties and challenges did, did you and, and, and your schools face engaging with students online? I mean, I, I know there's, we, we've heard in, in the news outlets that there's been issues of not having enough hardware, right, or, or not having access to Wi-Fi. I mean, did mm -hmm. your school or school district have any issues with that? Not really. Specific, my school specifically, we kept a, a spreadsheet and we kept track of which students we were having contact with, which ones we did not have any contact with within the first couple of weeks of that online learning. And so we were able to make home visits. We were able to send letters home. And some of it was what surprised us was that some of the parents didn't even know we were going virtual. And so we wow. were giving all of these resources, like, you know, our district handed out um, laptops and iPads or tablets to students that needed it, as well as um, hotspots. So they could take the little device home and use that hotspot. And it had, I think, like unlimited data or something that they could use for the remainder of the school year. Well, and Amanda and I had kind of been wondering how the hotspots were working in the past and going to be working this upcoming school year because we the, the question we thought about was are these hotspots coming home with the students or are the places that the students have to go visit because as you can probably think of you know some parents do have to travel for work or or physically go into work and we've been wondering how does that work then who's who's taking care of the student and making sure they're logging in Yes, I know. I was listening um, to the episode last week and I and I heard you guys mention, you know, do they have to travel to these hotspots? From my understanding, it's one of those little, like those little plug-in USB port, ports that you would plug into a computer, like what you see, like a lot of like businessmen have on an airplane or something and they create yeah. that hotspot. And so from my understanding, that's what they use for their computers to generate that kind of connection. That's very cool. Um, I'm glad you kind of answered that question for us. Now, kind of segueing into this upcoming school year, um, what what's kind of your thoughts on, we know up until at least Labor Day, y'all will do virtual learning. Um, you know, what are you looking forward to this year? What, what do you think some challenges will be um, now that you've kind of been through it before? I'm looking forward to, so I've been, uh, through training a lot this summer. And I think every teacher has. I just got finished with a four week training on 
how to transform your current lessons into online learning and how to make online learning more engaging and a lot more fun and different than what we were in the spring. And I think that's what a lot of families have to realize is that we are we were thrown into it just like their children were in the spring. But now that we've had a whole summer, we've all gone through training, we've watched these excellent videos and you know we're putting in our time over our summer break to prepare for this. And so I'm, I'm expecting it to be way better. I'm expecting my classroom to be 20 times more engaging even though I'm a, I'm a fine arts or elective credit that the kids are gonna say, I love this class, I love what she's doing, and I want more of this. And just showing them, you know, different way of thinking, a different way of engaging and participating in class than what they normally would. Yeah, and speaking of engaging, I know Amanda had this question, I believe on last week's episode, and we've been talking about it, is the differences in grade levels, because right when you think of someone maybe in high school or someone a little older sure you can expect them they're they're old enough to to expect them to be on the computer for a set amount of hours but when you're talking kindergarten kids first grade second grade level you know having the expectation of them sitting in front of a computer for so many hours or doing these many lessons in one little area you know you know without things like recess or something it's, <laughs> yeah. it's interesting to think like those of those expectations you know Yes, and, and I completely agree just from, I, I have brothers and sisters who are going through uh, virtual learning, you know, this whole public school thing with the pandemic, and they're in elementary school. I teach middle school, and I also have nieces and nephews who are in a, like an elementary kind of kinder setting, and luckily everybody in my family has the means to kind of stay at home like my father is retired military so he can stay home with my brother and sister and teach them in a way like homeschool them but i know there are a lot of families out there who have to work like my sister does and it's just one of those things where it's it's a schedule that you have to set up with your family and what works with you and I think the the great thing about virtual learning, if you choose to go that route, is that it, it, it is kind of like a, a work schedule where you can create your own. And so I think with those younger kids, they're not set to be on a laptop or a device for a certain number of hours. I think what they do is they just need to log in that work and log in that time. Because those expectations are, of course, a kindergartner is not gonna stay on a tablet unless they're watching YouTube all day, you know? <laughs> But I think um, setting up those like worksheets and lessons where it makes them go outside because I know with my brother last semester in the spring, he definitely had to, his lessons were to go outside and play nature bingo and identify what types of clouds were in the sky and identify how the rainbow worked. And so it was really these really engaging lessons that he had to do away from the computer and when he came back, he had to type what he saw on his walk. He had to talk about what he saw, the different shapes of the clouds. So it was this very, it's, it's this cool mixture of in-person, I'm holding up quotations when I say in-person, but like outside learning with, with technology. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so you kind and of I, talked about it earlier you know, when, you, when we're mentioning you kept a log of, you know, students that you were able to get a hold of and maybe some you might have had to do a home visit or something of the sort, but how are the schools handling and let us, I don't know if there's any 
personal experience with this, but how do you handle students who weren't showing up or maybe parents that you couldn't get a hold of uh, to get their students online? That, that was difficult last semester. And I think now that the expectations are different, we won't have that much of a problem. But with those home visits, you know, we, we still had some students saying, you know, they couldn't come get a hotspot. They could not come get technology or um, a medical issue prevented them from being on technology, like with their eyesight or something, you know, just kind of uh, different situations. And so what we did as teachers was we took all of our online lessons and uploaded it to a drive and the administration would go ahead and print those packets for them. And they would get take home work like if they were just like if they were in actual school and they had to be out for a few weeks because of illness, we would give them give take home packets. But that was hard because then it's like, well, how does the parent give the packet back to us and how do we grade that? So um, I think we're still working on those strategies for those students that we still just can't reach. But I remember our campus being at 100% engagement and attendance as far as turning work in last semester, which we were all pretty oh, proud. That's <laughs> awesome. That's phenomenal. Yeah. So this was kind of a question that I found interesting and I, we asked our last uh, guest teacher earlier, but you know, in the classroom, sometimes there's class clowns, there's disruptions maybe. And then of course, when you get to middle school and high school, you might have kids on their phones, all the lessons yeah. going on, but virtually it's a little different, you know, in a virtual classroom. How do you handle discipline or what's the plan to handle when you have to discipline someone? I mean, you can't just send them down to the office when it's <laughs> virtual, right? Yes. And what's really great is, you know, the kids are already experienced with online or technology as far as the middle school age that I teach. So it, it's, it's honestly all about norms and expectations. From the very beginning, you know, for the first couple weeks of school, all we teach in our classroom on our, our campus and even our district is we go through our expectations. We go through our norms. You already know if you're going to be acting a fool in my class. I'm not handling that. You're going to take a step outside, take a deep breath, and then you're going to come back inside when you're ready. So that's something that they know. My students, my students want to act crazy in class. All I got to do, I call it the mom look, where I kind of just glance <laughs> over quick. And then I, I raise the eyebrows. And then they say, oh, you know what, miss? I need to take out, I need to go outside and take a deep breath. I'm like, <laughs> I'm so glad you said it yourself because it's me too. <laughs> so it's just those norms. And so when you go online, you think about the same thing. So you tell them we're going to start on time. We're going to end on time. I don't want everybody's going to be on mute unless you have a question. And then um, especially if we're on a Zoom, you know, we're able to see each other. And so their cameras always have to be on. And if they have a question, they can raise their hand or we sometimes do like in a classroom setting, the like number gestures, like one or two of a question or an answer or something. Um, we also utilize the chat a lot. And one of the things that I implemented last year that got a lot of praise from my students to kind of get all of their silliness out was that we did virtual lunches together. So sixth grade, sixth graders in my class, if you wanted to have lunch with me, I was going to have lunch on Tuesday from noon to one, only an hour. And we're all going to make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches if you want to join me. And so I have students filing in. I would send them the Zoom meeting and password and everything. And they would start filing in and they could talk and talk and talk. 
I taught them, you know, appropriate school language, just like if you were in the cafeteria at school. And if you want to address something and bring it up, you can put it in the chat, you can talk, you don't have to have your camera on if you don't want your camera on. And that kind of gave them that setting of being in a cafeteria where it's really loud and they could talk to all of their friends and they absolutely loved it. So I've just, I've really enjoyed this interview because you have such a positive outlook on um, kind of, you know, what could be a bad situation. So, um, you know, what is your advice for parents and students going into this upcoming year? I think the advice is to look out for yourselves and look out for your family because I, from my point of view, I don't have any children. All I have are dogs and my husband, nor do I have anybody in my household that is um, going to be affected by this, by this virus other than my husband and I. And I am ready to go back to school. And I think every single teacher is ready to go back to school, but safety is the most important thing. So I think as long as you are able to keep that positive attitude of, we still get to go to school, I still get to see my teachers, whether through it's a Zoom or a YouTube video or a worksheet and just hear their voice. That's the best advice I could give. Just be calm, be patient, and kind of just be flexible and go with the flow because that, as teachers, we are trying to be really flexible. <laughs> well, Leslie, we appreciate you taking the time to come and speak with us on the podcast and on the show. Again, like Amanda said, we also appreciate just your positivity and your outlook on on everything that's been going on because you know we we always say this we've said this on a few podcast episodes already we're all in this together right i mean we all have to help each other whether it's students parents teachers any profession and so we just wish you good luck this upcoming school year um, we hope it goes as smooth as it can right uh we're going to take another quick break and when we come back amanda and i will discuss the the guests that we talked to today Hey guys, it's Zach. As some of you may know, I help people plan for retirement. And as your advisor, I can not only show you how money truly works, but put you in control of your money today and in retirement. If you're looking to schedule a financial review, please give me a call at 210-760-0409. Thank you for listening to this archived episode of the original Essay Talk podcast. I really hope you enjoyed the interview. If you enjoyed this episode and are looking for more content, you'll want to hit that subscribe or follow button depending on which podcast platform you are using. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, I do also ask that you please give us a rate and review. That really helps the podcast grow. Lastly, if you want to keep up with the podcast, check us out on social media at SAPod Network. Take care and Viva San Antonio.